0: It's time once again for our broadcast, Good News and Better News, where we spend 22 minutes advancing the theory that life really does not suck. And now, here is our host, author, screenwriter, and podcastman, Jonathan Richard Kring. Silly is my selected profile. Although I have been criticized for my garish joy by those who are more adult-minded and think my frivolous approach to matters is at least unwarranted, if not dangerous, I find nothing particularly attractive in the facial expressions growled from the tormented, repetitious souls around me. Whew, how about that for an opening? Well, after all, it's, it is today my 25th. Podcast and certainly might be deserving of an artistic paragraph. 25. I'm told that the frontal lobe of the human brain containing all the decision-making does not mature in our beings until we reach the age of 25. Maybe that's the case with my podcast, too. You ever think about that? My podcasts have gone through the terrible twos. My errant elementary years. Rebellious teenage phase. To then scoot along here through the collegiate time. Landing with a wife in a mortgage which I cannot afford. The American Scream. Podcast. Podcast 25, I think, God bless it. It deserves something significant, don't you think? But I'd rather do something a little different. You might even consider it silly. I I hope you do. I really really hope you do do, do today because today I'm going to talk about the five things. Mark that. Five things I want to be saying until the day I die. Although it's... Very popular nowadays to hone your message to fit the times and the occasions and the market you're working. It might be better to bring ideas that have worked since the beginning when everything popped out on earth. Should I begin with number one? No, I no, understand it. It's not number 1 due to its importance but rather because in the middle of the night when i was working on this thing it was the first thing that came to my mind the number of thing i want to be saying until the day i die it's probably my fault i know that sounds like you have a guilty conscience actually it's it's complete opposite of that see a guilty conscience is when you know it's your fault, or it could be, and you try to blame someone else. This, on the other hand, is when you take responsibility for your own life, even sometimes taking responsibility for the portions that other people have screwed up, but you were there when it happened. Oh, I'm sensing that maybe you don't like this idea. But i gotta, I got to tell you, you, you must consider the alternative. You could live constantly looking for someone to blame for everything. You could wait for truth, justice, and the American way to show up with Superman. You could walk around a little defensive just in case someone was trying to accuse you or tie you to this particular activity. See, the the power you get by admitting, yeah, it's probably my fault. The power you get by that is that since it's you that are involved, therefore you have the control over changing it. Honest to God, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to blow my brains out If I have to spend another hour of my life waiting for someone else to improve, it is goddamn hell. When it's like that, you find yourself becoming picky, selfish, even defiant, all because you don't simply just step in and say, listen, it's probably my fault. And then just grab that thing by the horns and solve it. You look like a freaking genius. So what do you think about that? If you want to change the world, you first have to take responsibility for it. Then the repair becomes your job and it can be done at your timing and in your style. Oh, I'm sorry, I like that one. I don't know what do you think. Feel free to share with yourself. Can I do number two? (laughs) Sorry, I can't say that without giggling inside. But often after I do number one, I do number two. (laughs) Oh, forgive me. The more sure you are of something, the stupider you will be when it's wrong. That's number two. The more sure you are of something, the stupider you will be when it's wrong. So don't dig in your heels. I just think of all the things that people have been sure of throughout all history. Have you ever think about that? And then, And then in a very short period of time, their thesis, their opinion, their theology, and even their music is exposed as crap. You want to be able to turn to your fellow humans and say, "Eh, I never took that terribly seriously anyway. Somebody uh, uh, recently got upset because I said on one of the podcasts, if there is a God, you see this protester is positive. He's positive. There is a God. I was curious. And lo and behold, this person knows there is a God. You know how he knows there is a God? Because the Bible told him so. Now we're using our beliefs to confirm one another. Now I not only need to believe it in God, I need to believe in a Bible. Bible. So so you get this chain of events that comes along and goes, I believe in eternity because I believe in heaven, because I believe in God, because I believe in the Bible. Wow. That's like a whole family giving alibis to each other. Can I be honest? I'm not sure. You're not sure. None of us are. It's what kind of makes us... It makes us interesting our contentions that something is right only to to discover that we were hellaciously far from the truth, it enables us to sprout our most endearing quality, which is undoubtedly humility. So don't be sure of yourself. Try, Try one of these phrases. From what I've heard, how about this one? From what I know, I wonder or go, or go as far as to say, my experience tells me. But don't write it in blood. You may need that blood later. Rounding the corner to number three, love your neighbor because nothing else works. I don't love my neighbor because I'm a Christian. I don't love my neighbor because I'm a really, really nice guy. I love my neighbor because screwing with my neighbor gets me screwed. Hello, hello. I love my neighbor because throwing trash in his yard makes him throw dog turds over the fence at me. I I love my neighbor because even if I decide to give up a grudge, I have no control over how long he or she is willing to maintain the campaign against me. I love my neighbor because I want to sleep at night instead of wondering what's happening to my car tires or if there's a lawsuit waiting for me in the mail the following morning. I love my neighbor because even though I have really big bombs, I mean big bombs, all they need is a knife and one chance to get close enough to stick it in my heart. I don't know why we insist that loving your neighbor is hard or impossible or really silly. Because what is hard, listen, what is hard, impossible, and really silly is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Talk about not getting dates. Here you are wearing an eye patch and a gap in your front teeth. I love my neighbor because when I don't love my neighbor, my neighbor changes from an inconvenience, a bump in the road, to a -a son-of-a-bitch terrorist. Did you like that one? I'm, I wonder. It almost, it almost sounds un American, doesn't it? Because if we can't beat the shit out of someone, how can we prove we're the greatest military power that ever existed on the planet? So shoot your gun. But keep in mind, they sell bullets everywhere. And some will be coming back your way. I, I just wonder are you ready for number four? I hear. I just think this is good advice. You ready for it? Work like a horse, make love like a lion, be as friendly as a dog, rest like a cat, and laugh like a hyena. We have no ability in our life to be temperate. I don't know why we even talk about it. We're just not temperate. Human beings are not temperate. If you're gonna join a temperance society, just load your gun before you go. You'll be using it in a few months. We better hook ourselves up with good things. So when we do go nuts, happiness follows instead of drug addiction, alcoholism, rape, and murder. I think I just kinda look at the jungle, the jungle out there. You you certainly don't wanna be a sloth by the way, snakes are under everybody's feet. Monkeys, sorry, man, I, I, I don't get it. There's a limit to silliness. But a horse, a horse works. And while the horse is working, it uses that time to get strong. And because it's strong, it lives long enough that it gets to go out in the pasture and enjoy lots of horseplay. you can make love like a lion because you've taken care of matters. You've done your hunting so you can come home and relax. Put on some music from the Lion King, perhaps. Although maybe that's a bit redundant. Get your mate in, that, in the mood. For after all, female lions hunt right alongside the males. So since you've had a great hunting day together, you're excited to be with one another and you've had a really good dinner of antelope. You must make love joyously, you do it, refreshingly, unashamedly. Because you know your mate is loyal to you. And you write back to them. Can you be as friendly as a dog? You ever think of that? Dogs are glad to see people. Most dogs are glad to see people they've never even seen before. Dogs treat homeless people like they're kings don't dogs don't pull on the leash and pull pull away and say keep me away from that street urchin they walk right up lick the hand of the homeless person where has that been they're friendly and there, of course there's no doubt about that about this one cats have relaxation down you can come in this is the truth you can come in from a rainstorm dripping wet having just had your car towed with the first signs of a cold in your head and nose, with a dirty house, no prospects for dinner, and your cat will look up at you with that face that says, Will you please shut the door? It's chilly. Cats know how to relax. And I really don't know what a hyena laughs like, except it is audible. You can hear it. You see, we don't laugh anymore. We we clap for comedy. We smile. Maybe we smirk. We review comedy. <laughs> That's humorous. I need to laugh. I need to feel my chest go up and down and jiggle my heart around. I'm going to stop for a moment and review. Not for your sake, but for mine, so that I will know what I've reported and do not look dumb as a rock. My number one, you remember it? Number one was, it's probably my fault. Number two, the more you're sure, the more you're sure, the stupider you'll be. Number three, love your neighbor because nothing else works. And as we just said, we should work like a horse, make love like a lion, be as friendly as a dog, relax like a cat, and laugh like a hyena. Number five. The fifth thing I want to say until the day I die is give without thinking. You see, thinking is when we remember all the reasons we shouldn't give. Stored in our brains are all the cautionary tales about the last time we got really messed up and screwed up when we were generous. Hell, if I contacted my mind, I'd never give anything to anyone. That gray matter up there. (laughs) When it gets in a mood, it just won't budge. But I'm suspicious of it. You ever get suspicious of your mind? See, I know. My brain is like a nasty loan officer. Loves to say no to them. No. It's contemptuous of homeless people. Why don't they get job? Inside my skull is prejudice. Prejudice towards giving up to anybody who would actually be in need. Giving anything to them. Oh, I'll give to my friends because I'm confident that when my birthday time rolls around, Maybe it might sweeten their hearts toward me. So my goal is to give without thinking. Just a little bit of time, money, and energy that we can give away before we even think about it. If we don't, we become selfish. Staring in the mirror trying to find our soul. So there you go. On my 25th podcast. These are the five things I want to say. Until the day I die. So the good news is. I'm not dead yet. And the better news is I hope. You are just as anxious as me to hear them again. That's it for today. Stay tuned next week when we will gather once again and find ways to put the pin back in the grenade. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and at goodnewsandbetternews.com.